Happy Easter, everybody. So glad that you've chosen to join us today. If you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're celebrating our risen Savior, something that's being celebrated all over the world. So thanks for being here with us as we do that today. And as we begin, I want to tell you that today is actually part one of a two-part message. So today we're going to talk about events that led up to Christ's resurrection. And then after that, next week, we're going to look at some of the events that happened after that. And there is way more to the story than just what we're going to talk about today. So hopefully you'll come back next week for that. Now, as we begin, I would like to give you what I call the BLT. Does anybody know what the BLT is? I hear the murmuring, bacon, lettuce, and tomato at my house. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was hoping you would say. So when you're having a BLT, you kind of need the BLT to, to make it a sandwich. Without that, you just got two pieces of bread. And in our context this morning, I'm going to give you the bottom line thought up front early in the message. Here's why I'm doing that. If you get bored... If you get tired of listening to me, if you need to take a nap while I'm talking, you know, I, I've been known to put people to sleep. If that happens and later today somebody at lunch says, hey, what was the Easter service about? You can tell them the bottom line thought. And it was like you were awake the whole time. So does that sound like a good deal? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Bottom line thought is this. Christ's resurrection puts all of us at a crossroad where we have to decide whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. Let me say that one more time. Christ's resurrection puts all of us at a crossroad where we have to decide whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. So today we're going to explore that statement, and I'm going to start with the word crossroad. So the word crossroad can be simply defined as a road that crosses a main road or joins two main roads, or it's an intersection of two roads that lead in two different directions. And if you think about crossroads, we all come to many intersections like that in our lives. There are educational crossroads that people find, they come across. There are vocational crossroads, there are relationship crossroads, there are health crossroads, there are even spiritual crossroads. And whenever we come up to a crossroad, we're at a, an intersection where we have to decide, am I gonna go this direction? Am I gonna go that direction? We can't go both directions. And we're left with the decision of which direction to go. And some of those directions that we take lead to good places. Some of those directions that we take lead to bad places. And some of those crossroads that we take lead to detours that we can be on for a very long time. How many of you would say you've ever been on a detour in life that took a long time to come off of? Like I'll, I'll, I'll raise every appendage I have on that one. So we, we're left at crossroads where we have to make a decision which way we're going to go. Um, here's a few crossroads that I've faced in my life. The first one goes back 21 years ago in my life. So 21 years ago, I was flipping through some film that we had developed. You remember those days with 35 millimeter, you took the film, you had to take it somewhere and you didn't know what it looked like until you got it back. And then you're flipping through going, oh, that one's out of focus. Well, that one's not good. And maybe you found half of them that were in focus that were good pictures. So I came across one picture as I was flipping through this stack of pictures that put me at a crossroad. Somebody had taken a picture of me and I was bending over like this. And it looks similar to this picture here. That's not me, but that's kind of what it looked like. And when I looked at my balding head, I knew I was at a crossroad. 
Like I had to decide what I was going to do. Like, was I going to embrace my baldness or was I going to go down the path of covering it up, you know, trying to, you know, get plugs or trying to put a wig on or trying to be like this guy, do the comb over thing. Like, was I like, what was I going to do? I was at a major crossroad for me in my life. I did. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So after seeing that picture, I went to Walmart, I got some clippers and I came home and I embraced my baldness and I shaved it all off. My wife came home and said, what have you done? I said, my hair was leaving me. So I decided to help it go. And honey, I hope that you like the end result because this is what you married and this is all you got for the next however many years we're together. She's been learning to love my baldness for 21 years now since I did that. Here's another crossroad that I came to. And this year represents 20 years ago for this one. 20 years ago, I was invited by the staff of the church that we were attending, Palm Coast Community Church here in town. I was invited by their staff to come on their staff to lead their small group ministry. And at the time, I was on a path of, of what I w- had a goal for. Was, uh, I was a counselor down in Volusia County, and my goal was to set up a private practice here in our community, and that was what I planned to do. And then I came to this crossroad where I had to decide, am I going to go into full-time ministry or am I going to stay in this path? Now, if you don't know me, there's two things I've never wanted to do in my life. One is work at a church. Two is be a pastor. If you go down full-time vocational ministry, you're probably going to do both. And so I stood at that crossroad trying to figure out what God might want me to do. And through some time of prayer and conversations with my wife and a lot of other people, we decided to take that path to take that step down full-time vocational ministry and it's been 20 years this year and as I look back over those 20 years I am so glad we took that path I think about all the things that we would have missed out on at Palm Coast Community Church all the things that we would have missed out when God started epic think about this we wouldn't be here this morning if we wouldn't have taken that path I'm sure we'd all be somewhere else but we wouldn't be here. We would have missed out on meeting many of, of each other, meeting us and getting to know each other and having this epic family that we have. And I'm so incredibly grateful that we took that crossroad 20 years ago. We all come to crossroads in life. And when we come to those crossroads, we have decisions to make. Am I going to go right? Am I going to go left? Some of those decisions lead to good places. Some of them lead to bad places. Some of them lead to detours that take a very long time to recover from. And people facing crossroads has been a thing that's gone all the way back to the beginning of time. We go back to the story of Adam and Eve, and we see that Adam and Eve faced the first crossroad that any of us would ever face, and something that all of us face. God created them, and he placed them in a perfect environment. He placed them in the Garden of Eden, and he planted two trees in that garden, tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had one rule. For them, one rule, not 10 rules, not 600 rules. God had one rule, and it's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. God said to Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. That statement put Adam and Eve at that crossroad that not only they faced, but all of us face as well. And that crossroad is a decision between, am I going to go down the path that leads to God's will, or am I going to go down a path that leads 
to my will. And how many of you know which path they took? I, I hope every hand should, you know, would be raised in, with that question. We all know that they chose their will and that decision brought a whole bunch of pain and sorrow and suffering into our world and it's, it's been a detour that, that we have all experienced for a very long time. And I know it, it's, it's super fun to kind of give Adam and Eve a really hard time about that. There are moments that I think, you know, Adam and Eve, like if you just didn't make that decision, you know, we wouldn't be experiencing the stuff that we experience today. I, my back wouldn't be hurting after working in the yard all day. Uh, you know, my friends and family wouldn't have the issues that they're dealing with. We wouldn't have disease and all that stuff in the world. But we need to remind ourselves that we would have made the same decision because we make the same decision. On a regular basis, we find ourselves at a crossroad between God's will and our will. And many times we choose our will over God's will. And whether we do that in a big way or a small way, any decision to choose our will over God's will is a path that leads away from God and it breaks our relationship with him. Sometime after that, God came to another man and in Genesis chapter 12, he put that man at a crossroad by saying this, he said, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And that man stood at a crossroad after God started that conversation. That man had to decide, am I gonna go in this direction following this voice from heaven that has spoken to me? Or am I gonna stay with my family, the only life that I've ever known? So guys, I want you to imagine trying to convince your wife that you should sell everything and move somewhere where, not sure, because a voice told you so. Give that a shot later today, see how that works for you. I'm sure that didn't work so well for this guy as his wife probably thought he had some bad goat milk the night before. But how many of you would say that you recognize the Old Testament name of Abraham? How many of you understand that name? You've heard that name before you came in here today. That is evidence of God keeping his promise to Abraham and Sarah when they took the crossroad that led to them following God to a land that was known as Canaan and, and later became known as the promised land. Later, God came to another man named Moses and he asked him to help free Abraham's descendants from slavery to the Egyptians. See, Abraham's descendants uh, had grown uh, to about a group of about 70 when they moved to Egypt to uh, survive a famine that was happening in their land. And while in Egypt, God blessed them and they multiplied and multiplied and they became like two million people. While they were there, the Pharaoh of Egypt became very concerned that this new growing group of people is gonna overthrow us one day and take over our country. And so he forced them into slavery. And they were in 400 years of slavery at that point when God came to Moses and put him at this crossroad. He said, Moses, I want you to go and free them from the slavery. 
Moses had this kind of response to God. He said, God, like, I can't do that. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not a good enough speaker. Every time I try to talk, my tongue gets twisted. I can't get my words out right. I'm going to go there and the Israelites are going to say, who are you and who's your God? I'm going to go talk to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh is going to say, I don't know anything about your God. I don't know anything about you. And it's not recorded in scripture, but I'm pretty sure that Moses had this type of conversation with God as well. God, do you remember that I grew up in Egypt? It didn't work out so well. I was there and I murdered someone and I have been running ever since. I am pretty sure my name is still uh, at the post office as the most wanted person. And if I show back up in Egypt, it's not gonna go well for me. And Moses kept complaining, coming up with excuse after excuse, but eventually Moses relented and turned down the crossroad that led to him helping free the nation of Israel, and it led to him watching God do some supernatural things as he did that and led his chosen people to the promised land. There's all kinds of crossroads that people have faced in human history, and it's interesting to know that even Jesus faced a critical crossroad between his Father's will and his will. Now, most of us know that Jesus was born as a Jew, and he lived in Israel. And at that time, the Israelites lived under Roman oppression. So the Romans had conquered much of the known world at that time, and they ruled the known world with an iron fist. And they had this agreement with countries that they had conquered, and it went like this. You can do anything you want as long as you pay your taxes and do everything we tell you. As long as you do that, then you can worship the way you want, you can do business the way that you want, you can kind of live how you want. But if you don't, if you violate our rules, if you don't pay your taxes, there are severe consequences, and one of those consequences was something that everybody feared, and it was called crucifixion. Now, the Romans didn't invent crucifixion, but they certainly perfected it as one of the most horrible ways to die. So I don't mean to to gross anybody out this morning, but... I want to spend a few minutes describing what crucifixion really meant. So somebody who was convicted to die through crucifixion would first have all their clothes taken off of them. Their hands would be tied to a post. And then Roman soldiers who specialized in putting people to an almost death experience would take a whip that often had in it, in its strands of leather, it would have Uh, fragments of sharp bone or metal or sometimes little balls of metal. And when that whip was brought across that person's back, it would be from the shoulders down below the buttocks into the legs as well. And the little small balls would uh, bruise the, the muscle tissue. And then the sharp bones and the metal fragments would catch the flesh and tear the flesh. So on a regular basis, they would whip and pull, whip and pull, uh, leaving fragments and um, torn ribbon of flesh that would cause large amounts of pain for that victim. And again, the Roman soldiers specialized in this horrible death, and so they would want to bring somebody almost to the point of death, but they would not want them to cross that. So they knew where somebody was, and they were careful about going too far. Now for Jesus, the next thing that happened for him was he had a crown of thorns that was beat into his head. 
And these aren't just some uh, like blackberry bush thorns. These are big, thick, sharp thorns. I've been to Israel. I've seen the type of thorns that they've used. I've pricked my finger with one of those thorns. They hurt. I cannot imagine the pain and agony that Jesus would have gone through having that beat into his head, the, the bleeding and the pain that that would cause. Now, what we also know about Jesus is his whipping, his beating was so brutal that Isaiah 52 says that he was unrecognizable as a human being. So any movie that you ever see that depicts Christ's beating and whipping and crucifixion does not come close to the accuracy of scripture and what he actually endured. After that, uh, that victim would have their hands nailed to a cross with large metal spikes. And they would nail through the wrists, not through the hand portion. Here, that, uh, that nail could rip through the skin and pull them off the cross. Here, in the wrist, it would not. Their feet would also be placed on top of each other, and a large spike would be driven down through the top of their feet. And they would be in this position, bent uh, at the knees, Dying a horrible, slow death that would often take days. And often what they would die from is asphyxiation. They would push up to catch a breath and then slump back down again until they had to push up again, remember their back and what's happening there and that they're on this rugged cross over and over again for hours and hours and hours is what somebody's experience would be like going through crucifixion. Now we understand that Jesus' crucifixion was so brutal that he died in about six hours. Romans did not do crucifixions off somewhere in some back road where nobody could see them. Romans did crucifixions at main crossroads outside of their cities, and they wanted to communicate to all travelers going in and out of their cities, this is what happens to anyone who violates Roman law. So I want you to imagine you're taking a trip with your family and you're going up I-95 and you're going to pull off somewhere to get some lunch. And as you pull off at the main intersection of whatever town you're going you're to go into, you see a crucifixion like this. Now for us, you know, we're driving 90 miles an hour, driving fast. We get you know, past that as quickly as possible. But think about what happened for people in Jesus' day. They would be walking, often with their family, often with their young kids, Imagine the conversations that you'd be having with your children. Imagine the sights. Imagine the sounds. Imagine the smells. Imagine the conversation with a child that says, what, what did they do, mom and dad? I don't know what they did, but they must be a horrible criminal. I mean, they must have violated Roman law. Just, they must just be a bad person. We don't ever want to do anything like they have done. Crucifixion was a horrible, horrible experience and a horrible way to die and everybody who came across a crucifixion had a decision to make will i follow roman law and live or will i do my own thing and die most people chose to follow the roman rules i'm sure that we can imagine even jesus wasn't excited about crucifixion matthew chapter 26 records 
a prayer that he had, a conversation that he had with his heavenly father on the night that he was betrayed. It went like this. Matthew 26, verse 39, uh, Jesus prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Jesus knew that dying on the cross would be this horrible experience and he did not want to experience that. Beyond that, He also understood that the sin of the world would be placed on his shoulders. Every sin that had ever been committed, that would ever be committed, all the stuff that he would never imagine doing would be placed on him as if he had committed all of them. And he would experience a separation from his heavenly father in that moment when his father had to turn his back on him as he paid the price for our sin. And Jesus said, if there's any other way, He followed that statement up by saying, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. In verse 42, Jesus said, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. In verse 44, he prayed that same prayer a third time. And Jesus stood at the crossroad that all of us stand at, the crossroad between God's will and our will, And then John chapter 18, verse four, says that when Jesus was about to be arrested, he fully realized all that was gonna happen to him, so he, what are those next two words? Stepped forward. Jesus fully realized everything that was gonna happen to him, and so he stood at the crossroad and stepped forward down the the road that led to his crucifixion and God's will. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us why he did that. Verse two says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. You know that you are the joy that awaited him? You are the joy that awaited him beyond the cross. The the possibility that you might put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior and get to live with him for all of eternity. We are the reason that Jesus endured the cross. We are the reason that he stepped down that painful road that led to his death, but led to our life. John 12, 32, in that passage, Jesus said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Jesus knew that his death would make it possible for all of us to have eternal life, and he knew that his resurrection We'd put all of us at a crossroad where we have to decide whether we're going to follow him or not. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to do kind of a word game this morning with you. So I'm looking for some audience participation. When you look at the cross, what word comes to your mind? Saved. Saved. Freedom. Freedom. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Pain. Pain. Hope. Hope. Sorrow. Sadness, love, grace. grace. Jesus, Yuvah, the Holy Spirit, and all his children. Yep, Jesus, love. Okay, now I want you to think about what the people would have said about the cross in Jesus' day. Would they have said any of those words of hope and life that you've said this morning? No. The cross meant death for everyone. The cross was to be feared. Nobody was wearing a little cross around their neck or, or cross earrings or, you know, on their ears. Nobody was doing that back then. 
Jesus took a symbol of death and turned it into a symbol of life. So that now, all around the world, when we see the cross, we think resurrection. We think life. We think hope. We think eternity. We think grace. We think what Jesus did so that we can have life. Listen to what Matthew 28 says. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake and the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. And I wonder if in that moment, they're thinking about all the times that Jesus said, listen, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise, I'm going to rise from the grave three days later. I wonder if in that moment, they're like, well, we didn't get it then, but we get it now. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? So he says, come and see where his body was lying. He's not here. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. If all we had was the cross, we have nothing. With the resurrection, we have everything. Verse 16 says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where, they, where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Those last five words of that last sentence blows my mind. Like, I cannot imagine any of Jesus' original followers who saw his crucifixion, who saw him buried, who then saw him resurrected, who got to eat with him and talk with him and touch him. Like, how could they ever doubt that he was the risen Savior? And yet Jesus knew that his resurrection would put all of us at a crossroad where we have to decide whether we're gonna follow him or not. The reality this morning is that some of you are at that crossroad. You're standing at a crossroad of faith and doubt. And maybe you've had a lot of doubt in your life about Christianity, uh, about God. Maybe you've believed in God, but you've had doubts about Jesus. Whatever your doubts are, and however long you've stood at that crossroad, Jesus calls from eternity and he invites you on this Easter morning to remember that he rose from the dead so you can have eternal life. He died so you can be eternally free and he calls to you. Some of you might be sensing that this morning. You might be sensing that tug in your heart and you're like, I don't know what all's going on right now but I'm feeling something. I'm feeling like I need to make a decision so if you're in that spot, what I encourage you to do is talk to God about that. Tell him, tell him that you need a savior. Tell him that you believe Jesus not only died for you, but he rose from the grave for you. And then invite him into your heart. Say, would you come into my life, come into my heart, be my personal Lord and savior. And if you pray a prayer like that, if you have a conversation with God like that, if you mean that in your heart, the Bible says that the creator of the universe will take up residence in your life. And he will guide you every step of, of your days and he will welcome you home when you stand in eternity. Some of you might be at that spot today.
Were you ready to make that decision? Um, there's a card on your seat. I encourage everybody to grab that card for a minute. If you need to share with somebody else that's around you, go ahead and, and share. Um, one side it says prayer request. On the other side, it's got two statements and two boxes that you can check. Um, for those of you who are in the fun season of life doing what I get to do now and you're doing this as you're looking at it going, well, I don't know, I can see it. It's kind of dark out there and it's hard, hard to see. Uh, if you can't see it, it'll come up on the screens and I'm going to read it as well. So that top box says this. Today I'm deciding to follow Jesus for the first time in my life. As I stand at this crossroad, I understand that Jesus is my savior and he died so I can live. And today I commit to follow him the rest of my life. If you're at that spot where you know that you need to make that decision today, I encourage you to pray that prayer to God. It's just a conversation. It's just a declaration of your heart of what you understand he did for you. And then I encourage you to check that box. There should be a pin around you. If you need to share cards, you can. Now let me be clear about something. Checking a box will not give you eternal life. Okay? So when you die, you stand before the creator of the universe and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? You can't say, well, on April 21st, 2019 at Epic Church, I checked a box. That's not going to do you anything if you don't mean it. Okay? But if you believe what that statement is saying and you know that you need to make that decision today, checking a box can do everything for you, not only for today, but for all of eternity. So I'd encourage you to check that box if that's the spot that you're in today. Now, there's a second box there I'd like us to look at for just a minute. Some of you might be in this spot. It says this, today I'm deciding to recommit my life to following Jesus. As I stand at this crossroad, I understand that I have wandered away from him. I confess that, that and uh, commit to get back on track in my relationship with my Savior. So maybe you're in that spot. Maybe this morning, if you're honest, you'd say, I have drifted from my relationship with God. Like, I've been so far from him. Maybe you've done some things that you have been ashamed of, and you feel like you're not worthy enough to come back to God. Maybe life's gotten hard, and you've unintentionally turned away from God, or, or maybe you purposely turned away from God. But you need to know this morning that God wants nothing more than for you to turn back to him. Listen to what... 2 Samuel verse 14 says, uh, chapter 14 verse 14 says, all of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again, but God does not just sweep life away. Your life is valuable. You are valuable to God. So it says, instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. So God is constantly looking for opportunities to bring us back. He's constantly looking for ways to bring us back in a right relationship with him. And this morning just might be one of those ways for you. Just might be one of those crossroads that you stand at where you know you need to turn back in your relationship with him. So if you're in that spot, what I'd encourage you to do is check that next box, that second box. And again, checking a box won't do anything for you. Unless it's something that you mean. And then you follow it up with a life that shows that you're on that path in a relationship with God. Now here's what I'd like you to do with these cards. In just a minute, we're going to celebrate communion. 
And we've got six tables set up for that. And you'll be invited to come to one of these tables in a minute. And I would like you to bring your card up. So whether you've written anything on it or not, if you've checked the box or not, you've written a prayer request or not, just bring your card up and leave it in one of the baskets that's on the table. And if you have checked a box, if you have written a prayer request there, then our elders and our prayer team will get these cards this week and we'll be praying for you in whatever decision that you are making today. New relationship with Christ, um, coming back into a relationship with God, whatever decision you're making, a prayer request that you have, we will be praying with you and for you. So I just encourage you to drop these cards off. Let me tell you how we do communion here at Epic and then we'll celebrate that together. We believe that communion should be open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And if that has happened in your life, if you've made that decision, whether today or at some other point in your life, we invite you to celebrate communion with us. And again, we've got these six tables set up. And as you come up to one of the tables uh, during our worship song that we're about to have in just a moment, uh, you'll be free to get up and move to one of the tables. You'll find the communion elements. You'll find little cups of juice. You'll find pieces of bread and, and little pieces of cracker. As you come up, drop your cart off, pick up a cup of juice and a piece of bread or cracker. And then I encourage you, you could go sit back down if you want. You could um, gather with some friends or family off to a side and have a a prayer together, uh, whatever, whatever's meaningful to you. But what I encourage you to do before you take communion during this song is pause for a prayer of thanks to, to God. Thank Jesus that he turned down the crossroad of his father's will that led to this horrible crucifixion, but also led to his resurrection so that we can have eternal life. Thank him for that. And then go ahead and take communion during this song whenever you are ready. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's pray together. Lord, what a privilege it is for us to gather this morning and celebrate not only Christ, your crucifixion, but your resurrection. And we're reminded this morning, if all we had was was your crucifixion and the cross, we'd be stuck in our sin. But because of your resurrection, we can now have eternal life. And so, Lord, this morning, there just might be a few people here standing at that crossroad trying to decide whether they're going to turn down that path that leads to eternal life or not. You're calling them from eternity, and you're inviting them to turn down this road. Lord, I I just pray that they would be like Jesus, and they would step forward down that path. I pray that they would pray that prayer, invite you in, and they would determine to follow you the rest of their lives. Lord, there's probably some other people here as well that have already made that decision at one point in their lives but have found that they've drifted from you. Like Maybe they took a different road later and found out, man, I'm really far from you now. Lord, they're at a crossroad right now. And this is a moment where they can make a decision 
to be like Jesus and turn back down that road. And so I pray that they would do that. I pray that they would have that courage and that boldness to do that. I pray this morning that they would understand you are constantly devising ways to bring them back. Every time we turn away from you, you're looking for ways to bring us back so that we can experience your grace, mercy, love, forgiveness. And I pray for those this morning that might be in that spot that they would step towards you and they would receive your grace and your mercy. Lord, as we celebrate communion, it's an honor to do that and announce, Lord, not only your death, but to remind ourselves that you're coming again one day. You're coming back. Lord, we need to be ready for that. And we want our friends and our family to be ready for that. And we want them to put their faith and trust in you as their Lord and Savior. And so, Jesus, thank you for dying so that we can live. And we celebrate communion today. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen. You are now free to take communion if you so choose.